Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Wow, I feel super distant from everybody up here. Uh, This is my first time up here. Good grief. So... I just want to I just want to welcome everybody. Yeah. Now, I especially those that are here this morning in in this worship service uh, not virtually, but here uh you know visiting. I want to extend to you a very uh very warm welcome. We're glad you're here and uh we definitely uh hope that you will see Jesus in us today. Amen. And that you will hear his word that you hear us praise Him, and that you see our love for one another. For those of us that are worshiping with us virtually, here's a virtual hug for you. We miss you. We miss your faces. We can't wait till we see you again and are able to be with you in the flesh. Uh, I really have that on my heart this morning. You know, when you're at home, it's a whole different experience, you know? Your, your glasses aren't fogging up. That's a good thing. But, you know, there's just something different about sitting on your couch or in a recliner. It's harder to be engaged. Roxanne and I had to do that for a while. It was tough it, because you're trying to be present when you're not present. Yeah. You're trying to engage, and, and yet you are a part. So I am speaking to you as well today. You know, get your Bible out, get your notes out, get something to write with and, and really focus in and you will experience the most out of our service together. Right. I just want to share with you, had a great time um, on Friday evening with the campus students. It was a blast. I really appreciate uh, what Tyler and Jessica are doing. It was a lot of fun. Um, you guys have been talking about the game last night. Let me tell you about the game Friday night that we played. Uh, the men beat the women. I just got to share that. I just have to share that, you know. And, you know, Roxanne was the MC, And uh, she had to keep saying one thing over and over again. And that there were 100 people surveyed who came up with these answers because we were struggling with some of those stinking answers that were on that family. We were playing Family Feud. And uh, I'm thinking about Manny in particular today when you ask something about bees, share something about bees, and he said they pollinate. (laughs) Wrong. Wrong answer. So he was struggling. You know, we were struggling at various times with that game, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And we had a great time uh, hanging out. And, uh, you know, we miss those kind of things with everybody. And it's great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, If everyone will be turning over to Luke 1, we'll get started in just a moment. And um, 
You know, I was uh, asked to share something from Luke 18, but I'm taking license and I'm starting with Luke 1. (laughs) There you go. So consider this a three-part dinner, okay? A three-course dinner. And this is the first course, and we will finish the meal together and arrive where we need it to be, okay, if you're patient with me. So why start with Luke 1? Well, let's read it. And but before we get started, now let's pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, we really ask now that as we get into your words, that you help us to understand them. Father, as we read your word, that you help us to figure out how to apply it to our lives. Father, how we can be obedient. Father, how we can uh, uh, really, really grow from it. And Father, uh, to increase our faith. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin reading in verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So let's start here, and let's hear what Luke is trying to share with us. Luke is trying to tell us that he has written an orderly account of what the witnesses and the apostles had seen and what they had heard and what they had said. In other words, Theophilus, if it's a real guy, I mean, some people argue he isn't. I I would say he is. He wrote this account for Theophilus, and he wants him to be certain of what he heard. He heard the message. He heard the word of God. And you know, it's so important to be certain. It's so important to be certain. Why? Because it's a a confirmation of what we hear. It's a confirmation of what we're trying to understand and obey and to put into practice. You know, he tells us that he had followed all things. That's an interesting You know, it's just a really interesting account. He was present himself for so many of the things that happened. But he had the opportunity to go around and interview people and say, what did you see? What did you see Jesus do? What did you hear him say? What did Paul tell you? This is what I heard Paul say. What did Peter say? And put these things together. For us, for the express purpose, even though these people had all heard these things, he put it together for us so that we could be certain. That is really cool because I don't know about you, if I'm uncertain about something, something begins to come in. I start having doubt. You know, when you start having doubt, what are you going to do? You probably get fearful. 
or you certainly pull back from doing anything. If you are not certain of something, you're not going to do anything more than likely. And then what ends up happening, if you don't address your uncertainty, you can go into disbelief. And that's not certain. That's not why this was written. So what are the things that we need to be certain about? That's what, that's what Luke shares with us. I want you to be certain about Jesus. I want you to be certain about his death and his resurrection. I want you to be certain about his teaching so that you will live accordingly. We can be certain, according to Luke here, of how we should live to please God. Let's turn over to Luke 17. In Luke 17, we're going to begin in verse 20. In verse 20, he says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur, sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together, one will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures were gathered. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is scary. He's talking to his disciples after uh, 
being asked a question to the Pharisees. So I don't know if the Pharisees over here gives him an answer. And then, hey, disciples, you heard what I said there. Let's have a conversation. I don't know what it was like, you know, or whether it was in the same moment. But this conversation is very interesting. He's talking about the end of the world. He's talking about judgment day. That's always a serious conversation. And so what does he want us to be certain of? I think that that's what we're going to have to discern here. It says, first of all, what does he tell us that it's going to be like? What's it going to be like when Jesus comes back? Well, he's being very clear. Very clear. He's saying things will be going on like they always do. And what does he share? Well, people are going to be getting married. You know, they're, they're going to be working. They're going to be trying to get stuff, accumulate stuff. It's like, kind of like any other day that we experience in life. What else does he tell us? He tells us basically that, in a sense, faith will have virtually stopped. And we'll get to that more in a moment. I think that's very frightening. He says, men will be busy in the same old ways, doing the same old things, pursuing their interests. So to me, if he's saying that the world kind of does what it does, I need to be kind of conscious of what's wrong with that. And how am, I, how am I engaging with that in these activities? Are they wrong in and of themselves? Getting married? Having a job? Buying a new sofa? Are they wrong? No. But there's an issue here. The issue is, is that they're living life for themselves. Without any consciousness of God without any fear of God, without any faith in God. And so, all this comes suddenly upon them. You see, here's the thing, is that materialism can control our minds. And when we say the word materialism, we're often thinking it's just stuff. Well, stuff is more than the things you buy. It's the stuff you rely on to protect yourself, to make yourself feel secure, to put your faith in other than God. Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't have to be the new sofa. It can be this job will keep me secure. The income I make will keep me secure. So in that way, that stuff is materialism. This materialism controls our thoughts. It controls our values. It controls our decision-making and therefore tempts us to put it before God. I think what he's talking about in this end time, this judgment time, is that mankind will feel very secure in their ways. This is the right thing to do. 
This is the right way to behave. These are the right values. We are doing the right things. And feeling very secure in that. And then he starts going, Jesus starts saying, no, one is going to be taken and the other one remains. That's very interesting. He says, suddenly, like lightning, the end will come. And he gives a very vivid description. He says, like something lightning, you know, when lightning strikes, you see it go across the whole sky. It happens in an instant, in a flash. All over the world, this is going to happen. The judgment day, there's no, there's no time to go, wait, 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 wait. I was, boom, a separation. Those who were living their lives separate from God will truly be separate from God. They get what they wanted. And those who are living for God, wanting to be with God, are taken from this situation and are with God. It's dramatic, isn't it? There's no, there's no shadows here. There's no shades of gray. This is just very, very clear teaching. So we have to be very, very careful about what we are putting our trust in. And you know what's hard about this is that so often we can fool ourselves in thinking that I got baptized, therefore I'm saved. And then we can start living our life of material focus and miss the whole point. We get so caught up in having the same values as the people and world around us because it's so prevalent, it's so pervasive, it is taught, is ingrained, these values, that to live a life of a different focus is, seems extreme. It seems extreme. It seems, at the best, weird to some. It's like, what, what do you mean not spend everything I have on myself? What do you mean not go to some other place and take this job because I'm more concerned about what my fellowship with my brothers and sisters will look like? Or, look, I'm afraid of what is going on out there why, why should I go and share my faith with yeah. people I don't know? Yeah. Why put myself at risk? Why put myself out there if you have the same values as everyone else? But we can fool ourselves. We can fool ourselves thinking, I punched my golden ticket. Now I'm going to live as it pleases me. We can fool ourselves so easily in that area. You know what's scary here is it says in verse 37 this really strange thing. It is meant to be strange. It is meant to be difficult to understand. And he says, um, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And I'm like, what? What is he talking about? I mean, it just seems jarring to what 
what it is. But as I was looking at it, it seems to me that he's talking about the corpse is mankind. That the corpse is mankind who has these materialistic values and is spiritually dead. Just spiritually dead. And he says, you know, vultures are attracted to dead carcasses, right? And so it's, he's basically saying judgment is going to be ready for spiritual death. That's very, very sobering when you see that. Judgment will draw death. I mean, it will draw God's coming back. So there's going to be this point in time, I don't know when it is, when man's materialism and self-focus, his evil is so prevalent that it draws the judgment. When faith is so weak, when there's such a lack of spirituality that God says, now's the time. Now's the time I got to put an end to this. That is frightening to me. It really is. But it makes total sense in the justice of God, doesn't it? So what are we going to do with this teaching? You know, I don't know how you're feeling right now, but with with the pandemic and with social unrest, the, the election, you know, here's the temptation. We're saying, I just want to get things back to where it was. And what was that? Do you see what I'm saying? Is that I just want to feel secure back in getting my education. When that, when that can be normal again. I, I just want to get married. I want to be able to have that, that actual service where we can all be together. Is that wrong? No. But I, I want to get back to where I can go shopping and not worry about anything. I, I want a job. And we're trying to feel secure in these things. The sense of normalcy. I challenge you about that thinking. In thinking, I want things to be normal in the sense of valuing what we just talked about, the things of the world. Longing for things to get back to normal. You know, let's be honest. Maybe you hated Trump. Maybe you couldn't stand it. Maybe you didn't like his policies. And you're, you're dancing in the streets thinking, now it's going to be great. Or you're thinking, oh no, no, not Biden. Everything's going to go down the tubes. It's over. We're ruined. And you can have all those things. And I just want things to be normal. I just want things to go with my expectations. And this is... Why? Because our materialism is being threatened. What we're putting our hope in and our trust in is being threatened. And if you're having these strong emotions and feelings, I challenge you. I'm not like, I've had them. And as I've studied this, I'm going, what is my problem? As a citizen of heaven, as a member of the kingdom of God, why am I struggling with any of this? I just want things to be secure. I just want to, things to be normal. What's normal to man's not good. It isn't. 
Be careful not to get caught up in this thinking. The question is, are we truly being kingdom-minded? Let's turn to Luke 18. You should be pretty close. And let's read verses 1 through 8. We're now in the third course of the meal. (laughs) And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I hope you're starting to see how these things fit together. Jesus is telling his his disciples a parable. And what I appreciate about Luke is in this case, he actually says, here's what it means. Here's why he told it. I got the answer. You know, some of me reading and going, oh, I got to really think about this. This is this is tough. What is he talking about? But he says he says very clearly what the effect of the parable is supposed to have on us. And that effect is to pray always and not lose heart. Sounds easy, right? So easy. I can move on. Uh, I don't know about that. I found this very challenging as I was studying this lesson. To always pray and to not give up. I mean, think about that in your spiritual life. To always pray and not give up. And I have to go, oh man, I am not. A great example in this. It was just really humbling to read this. And he says, and so let's, let's just ponder this a little bit together. So why should we pray? I mean, I have to start with the basics. This is basic teaching. Well, why pray? Well, why did this woman go to the judge? Why was she going to the judge? Because he had the power to do something about her situation. If you really believe that God has the power to do something about your situation, you will pray. God is able to answer us. He has the authority. He has the power to do what we ask of him. And think about it. This woman had an issue, didn't she? This issue, she was indignant. It was bugging her. She was upset. She was angry. She was fighting, wasn't she? 
give me justice against my adversary. This person wronged me. Take care of this for me. And the unrighteous judge is like, stop bothering me. Leave me alone. All right, you're not leaving me alone. I'll give you justice. God's not like that. God is just. And he will give you justice. He will uphold your case. You see, we have issues. <laughs> if you had, we need help. There are others we know who have issues. They need help. God's the one we need to go to for it. I want to share with you something because my own wife is a great example in this for me personally. And sometimes you can have great examples with you and you can ignore it. You can just choose not to apply a great example to yourself. And I, I think you have to think through that. Why? Why? But what Roxanne is a great example in doing is praying continuously. What do I mean? Roxanne keeps a prayer journal. And she writes down what she's praying for, who she's praying for, and looking for the answer. And when it's answered, she writes down when it was answered and how it was answered as a record. Try that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to have faith in the power of God and see him at work in your life and be able to actually physically go back to something and see, here it is. I talked to God about this and he answered my cause. He heard my plea. Let me show you. So now imagine if you're praying for someone else and you tell them, I am praying for you in this circumstance that this will happen. And you can tell them the day the prayer was answered. Imagine. If you want to increase your faith and your ability to pray, think about that. It's an excellent example, and I, I live with her, and I have not yet attained that. I'm just sharing with you, it's a great example. Don't lose heart. You can't lose heart in praying. Have you ever tried something like, all right, I'm going to the gym, I'm going to the gym, Oh, nope, not today. We can be that way with our prayer life. How many times have we done that? You go, eh, this is hard. Eh, it's hard to focus. This is uncomfortable. It's, uh, what, am I the only one that's struggling with this? Huh? All right, I, I just want to know. I, there are times when I just lose heart. It's like my heart's not in it. Because I don't think of it in the terms that God has the power. He has the authority. He is able. For me personally, what causes me to quit and lose heart is I'm so easily distracted. You know, it's like there's stuff going on. And while I mean to pray about this thing, something else has gotten my attention. 
And it may not be all that important. It just has. So what do you do? You need to deal with your distractions. You need to realize this is keeping me from praying. This is keeping me from fighting through. I'm staying up too late watching Netflix. And so I'm too tired. I don't feel like it. I am too busy with X. This hardship is happening, so I can't pray. Just think about that. What? That's an issue you need to take to prayer. You know, another thing is that you can just believe God isn't listening to you. Have you ever felt that way? I just don't, I don't think he's listening. I asked him a month ago one time for something and I didn't get it. it that, that situation didn't get dealt with. He's not listening. We actually can think this way. And we're not persistent in prayer. We just think we did it and I didn't see anything happen. It's not working. We just don't believe perhaps he's able to do what we ask. We put a limit on his power. So we lose heart. It's our own messed up thinking. We, we can start down these roads. He just, oh, this is probably too hard for him. My situation, nobody has ever had to deal with before like this. He can't do it. And we lose heart. But it's our own thinking that it's not right in that circumstance. Or Lord help us if we don't get the answer we want. We lose heart. You should have answered it this way. When I wanted it this time. In this manner. Oh, I can't pray. It always turns out this way. I don't get what I want in the way I want when I want it. Or we don't see how God is at work. But guys, we can't give up praying. We just can't. God is listening. God is able to answer our prayers. Don't lose heart. Because, as it says in the parable here, God is the righteous judge. He will give justice to his people. He will. We serve a loving God. We have a king who will protect his people. It's his kingdom. He sent his son to die for us. He will address those who have wronged us. He will address it. It may not be while we are alive, but he will address because he is just. And we can turn over the things that we are concerned about, the things that have wounded us and harmed us and hurt us. God is a just God. He will answer your prayer. He will deal with the situation. So think about it. Do you really believe this? Do you live this way, really believing this way? Think of how fearless you can be. Now we were talking about, I can't wait until this pandemic is over. I can't wait until 
this situation is dealt with. And we were just saying, I just want it to get normal the way it used to be. Why not pray about it and then live fearlessly? Why not just go ahead and turn it over to God and live victoriously? This is what can happen when you truly believe that God is able. Think of how forgiving you could be. If you know that God is the righteous judge, that he is going to handle it, then you can assuredly go, I forgive that person because they are in the hands of a just God and he knows their heart. He knows what's going to happen. And if they get mercy because he is a righteous judge, okay. If they get judgment, okay. It's in God's hands. Think how you could live. He will give justice speedily. It's not going to take a long time. Our problem is, is that we think in human terms of time and we put our limitations on what is speedily. That's not, let's not try to limit God and how he works. His ways are beyond our ways. And I urge you to take a, a, a deeper view into how God would operate and not try to limit him within your thinking of how he should operate. So finally, at the very end, we have this one sentence to deal with. And this is a rough one. Because we've, we've come around, these things have been told to us so that we could live and have certainty of we have what God wants us to have here. And then we looked at judgment. And now we, we've, we've heard how we need to be praying. And then he wraps up. He comes back to this thing. When Jesus returns on Judgment Day, will he find faith? That's, that's God's concern. Is that when I come back, am I even going to find faith? What does that say? God knows something here. And judgment's going to come when mankind's at its worst. When faith is at its weakest. And so, in these circumstances, we are called, brothers and sisters, to have faith. Amen. We have to have faith. We need to pray for faith. We need a faith that doesn't lose heart when hardship comes. We need a faith to hold true to God and to his word. We need faith to believe that he is the righteous king that he is able to save. And so the question right now is, where's your faith today? What is it in? Are you lacking in faith? Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we need to remain in God's word. If you want faith, we need to remain in God's word. So we, we come full circle in our lesson today. Luke wrote this book so we could have certainty in what we've been taught. And God wants you to be certain of him. Amen. Amen.